go. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. I am Joe Spiegel. Mike Sutherland. And we are? A couple of average Joes. Goddamn right we are. All right. Cinescape Magazine. Yes. Presents. <laughs> oh, goddamn it. All right. This is our uh, Pacific Rim Uprising episode. We're going to talk about that fine uh, piece of non-Guillermo del Toro-directed art and whatever else we want to talk about. Yes. Because it's my show. God damn it. All right, so take it away. Mike. That's kind of selfish. Yeah. <laughs> Bet your ass. All right, so god damn. Was it two weeks in a row that, uh, well, you know what? Save the commentary because I need to do an introduction. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you got a voter for that other fucking movie, man. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. I got bit by a fucking mosquito on the neck. Oh. Uh. Don't keep scratching it. You know it spreads. It makes it worse. Yeah. Yeah. Mosquitoes spread. AIDS. So the rash. The rash spreads, I'm saying. The rash doesn't spread. I got bit by a mosquito. Your scratching makes it spread. No, it doesn't. It's a bump. I got bit by a mosquito. Okay. Well, you're going to end up with two, three bumps. Apparently, you don't know how fucking mosquito bites work. Now you're making me itch. Stop it. Hold on. Okay. Go. Jake Pentecost is a once-promising Jaeger pilot whose legendary father gave him his life to secure humanity's victory against the monstrous kaiju. Jake has since abandoned his training only to become caught up in a criminal underworld. But when an ev- God damn, I thought I said, well, an event. But when an even more unstoppable threat is unleashed to tear through the cities and bring the world to its knees, Jake is given one last chance by his estranged sister Mako, Mori. God damn it. God, I read like a fucking idiot, Mike. Just say it. Just go ahead. Nope. God, it's like fucking Ron Burgundy. Mako Mori. <laughs> so he gives one last chance by his estranged sister, Mako Mori, to live up to his father's legacy. You're the only one that will actually go back and read the entire goddamn sentence instead of just continuing on. Er, I give you Pacific Rim job, right? Yeah. <laughs> Jake, your father always said he wanted you to be a pilot. He said a lot of things. I'm not a hero like he was. The kaiju, they're gonna come back. I'm not gonna be stuck waiting for someone else to come save my ass. Cadets? You better gear up. This is the way the world ends. How'd they get into our world? Someone let them in. Someone from our world. Who is that? Definitely not one of ours. Let's do this. This is your chance to make things right. Um, we're gonna need more violence. We have them. There are pilots we remember as legends, but they didn't start out that way. They started out like us. This is our time to make a difference. Do you understand? 
understand? Jaeger pilots, do you understand? One way to find out. That's what I'm talking about! Tupac is nowadays is like the, the is like the Nirvana version of hip hop, <laughs> just overplayed and almost to the point of irrelevancy now. You know, yeah. I mean, I grew up listening to Tupac, and I listened to all that shit w- when it was new. And it, it, God, it just—it's overplayed. It, it's been overplayed for the last two decades. So putting Tupac in a in a in a, in a movie trailer just does not. It doesn't work for me. It does not work at all. Just like when they threw that shit into that in, at the end of Django during the shootout. <coughs> um, I don't know what to say about this movie. I don't <laughs> even know where to begin. Well, I remember you saying you liked it more than you liked the first one. So just compare it to the first one. Well, yeah, I know. I, I, I did. I, I, I enjoyed this one better than the, than the first one. Mm-hmm. But my problem stems from several things with this movie. First and foremost, the two people mech in the mech thing. I, I don't... that mm. I, uh, They can't <laughs> handle it. It's like too emotionally overwhelming or something, yeah. No. Just having two people in the mech suck. Mm. It's fucking stupid. Well, because their minds are all linked up and everyone knows each other's secrets and shit. And... No. It's fucking stupid. It's just a stupid idea. I don't... I, I'm not talking about the movie. I'm talking about you think the idea you, of it is fucking dumb. You think it's dumb, huh? Yeah, it's fucking dumb. I, I think it's kind of clever. I mean, I they don't. It's it's. I mean, you know, for the movie's sake, I don't really care. But I mean, in general, it's like, you know, it, it, like what better way to to foster teamwork than to have motherfuckers mind meld with each other while operating a machine together? It's, it's so stupid. Everybody. I just be... think you like being single. <laughs> well, that, but it's it's, it's just the Tell whole me idea. Who I got to team up with, goddamn. The whole idea is just fucking dumb. Yeah, I got you. You know, and then and, and then if one goes down, you can't pilot the Mac and blah 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 blah. Yeah. So it raises all. Why sorts isn't of there problems. a backup team in that motherfucker? Huh? Yeah. And and then, we're, I don't know. <laughs> this well, this this movie has a lot of problems, but again, having a kid involved because you got to have a kid involved with these yeah. high blockbuster movies, and then got to bring in a little one so you can fucking emulate Transformers. Yeah, and then you know you have to have the 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 cute mech now, and then with a cute whatever robot. Yeah, you know this is basically Transformers Five, <laughs> with with without the with a better plot line. Yeah, you know, and and that's 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 really all it is. I mean, literally from the mech firing down at the end of the movie yeah. into from space onto Earth. Yeah, to you know, um, the the girl. I mean, it's you know what's weird to me is that just with the absence of Guillermo del Toro's director, uh, no Charlie Hunnam, not even fucking mentioned, not once in the entire film. I even looked it up. He is not even his name's not even mentioned in the whole film. Um, and also, I mean, Idris Elba died at the end of the last one, but 
still him not being in it, um, and Ron Perlman's character not being in it, all that. Did stuff. his character die in that one too? No, because remember during the mid credit scene at the end, he digs his way through and he goes, "Where's my goddamn shoe?" Oh, he dug his way out. So that's how memorable the movie was. Well, I, I know exactly, but it, they, those little things reminded me of you know certain things that Guillermo del Toro did really well, which there was some cool things in the first movie. With this movie. None of those characters are, are mentioned. They don't show up. I mean, except for Idris Elba's character. And who gives a shit? Because he's already fucking dead. Right. And I, all these other, these new people, it just, it felt like, hey, we're going to have to throw a bunch of money into this movie. So let's bring in actors that don't, you know, command as much money and throw them into it. Like Scott, you know, Scott Eastwood and John Boyega, who at the time he was fresh, you know, still probably in the middle of making. Well, this. Scott Eastwood's not an unknown. You know what I mean, though? He, he's still. He he only commands so much, you know, money for a film. Scott Eastwood isn't a a top A actor. You no, know? he's not his dad. Yeah, but he could be. Look, this this movie. Here's the things that I liked about the movie: mm-hmm. the fact that the kaiju, kaiju. So, anyways, um, when when they're part of the mech, you know, yeah. part of the whatever they call them. I, I don't know what they call the mechs. Oh. Um. I don't know. This is call them the fucking drones. <laughs> no, I don't know what they call the mechs in and of themselves. Oh, those are Jaegers. Yeah. Okay. So when you have when you have the kaiju brain, the drones in in the uh, the Jaegers, and then they all of a sudden come alive, you yeah. know, and then they start becoming part of it. That was cool. Yeah, that was that was a clever twist. And then when you have Charlie Day, who has become has become manipulated by this kaiju brain. Yeah. That was a good twist too. Yeah. And, you know, so uh, technically, like, the second the the second half of the second act and most of the third act were pretty strong. It's Everything like, leading up to that was kind of weak. It's got elements that, that, just like the first movie, it's got elements that, that, that keep the appeal there, keep you wanting to watch it. Right. But, you know, you still feel really let down when it's all over. Like, there wasn't enough to really hook you in. Yeah, it's, it, again, it's... It's another one of those forgetful blockbuster movies that doesn't pay off. Yeah, and it, it, you know, just like the, my my complaints from the first time, the kaiju, the, the 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 just the level of detail on the kaiju was amazing. It looked really really cool. Yeah. But when but in in contrast, the Jaegers themselves, every scene with the Jaegers looked to me like a video game cutscene. I disagree with you, but that's okay. I the kaiju's were cool. Don't get me wrong. These no, I mean I agree with the kaiju. Yeah. But, but I disagree with yeah. you about the, okay. the mechs. Every time I saw the, the Jaegers, and especially when they were in front of buildings, the buildings always looked like fucking CG buildings. They didn't look like it was real. I, and I, that I agree with. And it completely took me out of the movie. I, even when you go the the trailer where it showed all four of them, it does like one at a time, and then you can see all four standing there. Yeah. All that looks so fucking cheap to me. It, it just... No, and and I agree. The the city background and stuff like yeah. that was garbage. Yeah, you know, it was completely useless, and it was just there to lend for destruction and and useless useless nonsense. Yeah, that's what I call yeah. it. You know, um, distraction. Yeah, distracting destruction. Yeah, it's I like guess. I don't even care. I, I got I I ain't dude. When we saw Godzilla twenty fourteen, you know, look, it did I, to me. It didn't have a huge a lot of amount of replay, but it's still watchable here and there. I will still watch it. Yeah, and, and but all those scenes where they're fighting in the cities, fucking badass. And this movie, but the, see, but in that movie, it meant something. Yeah, 
In this movie, it means nothing. It means They're nothing. just these huge fucking Jaegers, these mechs, these yeah. human piloted pieces of machinery yeah. are just running rampant throughout every city, just destroying it willy nilly. Yeah. I mean, even in the beginning of the of the movie where they they find out that one of the main characters, the girl, you know, she has her own mech, an illegal mech. Yeah. And then she just rolls through the city like it's no big deal. Yeah. You know, destroying other, uh, destroying skyscrapers and this and that and the other thing. Yeah. Like, there's no consequence. There's none. It's like, oh, hey, yeah, as a matter of fact. Yeah. We're just going to have a battle here. We'll, we'll just rebuild it. Yeah, I don't even think, like, wait, that part where the, where the, the first time that they had the, the rogue Jaeger that's fucking attacking them uh-huh. in, in the city. Yeah. And it was, what was it? It was, it was just, it, it didn't, like, I don't even think I recall anyone saying, hell, oh, we've got to protect all the citizens. Yeah. And all this shit. It was just, no, let's fight. Yeah, and then, of course, you know, Mako dies. Yeah. Which is fucking stupid. I saw that coming a mile yeah, away. Oh, she's in a helicopter. Yeah. How fucking convenient. Yeah, didn't they do the same thing to uh, Angela Bassett in uh, Olympus is, or uh, London Has Fallen? Yeah. <laughs> no, um, was that her, or was that the other one that was, uh, oh, it was in the helicopter, right? Yeah. No, I, I'm th- I was thinking um, Independence Day. Resurgence. Oh well, yeah. That, the, the, the Where she was, she's like throwing the kid on the helicopter, yeah. but she wouldn't get on the helicopter. Yeah, you know. And then she just goes down with it. Yeah, like like, like she was still back on what, the stripping pole. Whatever. <laughs> and yeah, you know, it's just not, not, none of n- useless deaths make no sense to me in uh, movies. Yeah, especially one that doesn't move the plot forward. It's yeah. just, it's just. Uh, a reason to get rid of the the character yeah. to make, in this case, John Boyega's character feel bad, and that he's going to be a better person, and now he's going to he strengthen his resolve, you know, to fight for the mili- you know, fight for you yeah. know the United F- Federation of Forces or whatever the fuck they're calling this bullshit, and then it, it again, if you cut out all the scenes. That have human interaction, yeah, and just put it in as all mech scenes, yeah. Is it is it a worthy movie? Like uh, to me, it's just a bunch of video game cutscenes. Yeah, it, uh, it's it's like again uh, the same argument that I've had for the past whatever, which is someone had a great idea for for a scene, yeah, which like, is the kaiju climbing up Mount Everest or not Mount Everest. How Mount would you Fuji. like to see robot jocks versus Godzilla? Yeah. <laughs> But in this case, it was the kaiju moving up, moving up Mount uh, Fuji. Yeah, which was—I mean—that was fucking cool when it was walking right when it bust through the clouds. I was starting to fall asleep, and and then it, when it comes through the clouds, yeah. that's a great—it's a great CG moment. I, I don't even remember. I started falling asleep. It's because you're a pussy, and <laughs> and as it's climbing up the mountain and it's doing its thing. You know, you know it's Endgame and whatnot, yeah. and, and the idea behind the whole Mount Fuji being, you know, full of rare minerals, and then when the kaiju reacts with it, it's going to destroy the world. Blah 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 blah. And it's always the same bullshit. Yeah. You know, and it's that's this is a bad trope, and I wish people would stop. I wish screenwriters would stop using these fucking useless tropes and find something new. Yeah. You don't have to destroy the world every time. Why can't Why can't the kaiju be opening a portal to bring more in? You yeah. know. Or do something else. Maybe it's going to send a signal that it, to to bring down uh, an alien invasion or yada yada yada. We can just go on forever. Yeah, you know, I can think of ten other different better ideas. There was one cool thing when they shut the portal down, 
and it cut one of the the, the big one that you thought they were gonna have to fight, uh-huh. and it cut it in half. That was cool. Yeah, because it was like I, I, that was a little twist with it. You know, like oh no, I guess they don't have to fight that one. Yeah, right. but it was it, like a One Punch Man scene. But again, it's they, it's pulled straight from goddamn Transformers. Yeah, you know, just like the entire story was pulled straight from Transformers and in Independence Day, dude. It, it resurgence. It, it was a shitty sequel that that kind of dishonors its its characters. No, this is a this is more of a direct ripoff of Transformers. Dude, too. Mark Wahlberg works in a junkyard, and this girl who <laughs> has connections and has a has built a robot comes yeah. to him so that she can get the Transformers to save the world from Unicron or from Cybertron, you know, and all this other shit. Right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Pacific Rim 2. This John Boyega, his underworld junk dealer, who is going through a junkyard, who meets up with a girl who has built her own robot, and they form up together with robots to save the world from an impending invasion of, let's call them extraterrestrials in this one, who are bent on trying to reformat the world again. Cybertron coming to Earth to reformat the world into its own vision, right? Yeah. Pacific Rim 2. Aliens come to Earth and are going to destroy it to reform the Earth. Yeah. It's the same exact movie. And then that makes it even more disheartening that that Spielberg walked away from doing Robocalypse because... (laughs) Robocalypse? Yeah. I I call it Robocalypse, but... um, it, 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 because he could have put a, helped put maybe put a different spin on it instead of go, going the same route as Transformers or whatever. I think he's tired of doing alien movies uh, or these because he said that he was kind of tired of doing big budget blockbuster movies. Yeah. I just read this in an interview where he's like, I, and the reason why I did Ready Player One was just to kind of clear the air. You know, I wanted to I wanted to mess around with it. It was a very interesting book to read. Yeah. But um, for the most part, I'm kind of done with these blockbuster yeah, things. Yeah, he, he said something about, um, you know, he usually picks projects to sing to him, you know, and apparently serious dramas, you know, biopics are, are the ones that are singing to him lately. Yeah. You know, with fucking Lincoln, Bridge of Spies, War Horse, and all that shit. Yeah. But he doesn't have anything, to, and that's the other thing. He didn't have anything to prove. Yeah, he doesn't, you know what? He doesn't owe us a goddamn thing. You know, he's he's... He's given us more than we've ever asked when it comes to pop culture, man. Yep. And, you know, the guy is, he what do you call it? Uh, a maker? What do you call it? Uh, you know, a trendsetter or whatever you want to call yeah. it. Yeah. He's you know? he's the guy. Yeah. So. There's Spielberg. Then there's, there's, and there, uh, at the top of this type of heap, there's Spielberg. Yeah. You know, and then when you have the other ones, you have like, all these old guys, Scorsese, not so much De Palma anymore, but you know what I'm talking about. Or like how Oliver Stone used to be a long time ago. Dude, I was reading, I was reading some. Oh, that's right. I was uh, I was doing a Conan uh, movie trivia. Uh-huh. So because I'm I'm putting up some, I'm mass injecting movie trivia onto our website. Yeah. So if you go through, you'll notice that there's a whole bunch of new like, stuff. Like a stud farm. And and Oliver Stone wrote Conan the Barbarian. Uh-huh. So he wrote the movie Conan, and he made it into a post-apocalyptic world, you know, and he took some elements from some of the books and whatever else, or some of the stories at least, and he wanted this whole thing set up into this this nuclear future, right? Yeah. And the fucking studio went, no, uh-uh, not going to happen. So they brought in somebody else like John Milius, who ended up directing it, and he went back and fucking cut all that bullshit out and said... Conan the Barbarian is 
mythic guy. Yeah. He is sword and sorcery. Why are we fucking around with this post-apocalyptic world? Let's just bring sword and sorcery into it and go from there. Like, and boom. It's source material. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Weird, huh? There you go. So, yeah, <laughs> um, Oliver Stone. Because you brought up fucking Oliver <laughs> Stone. Oliver Stone wanted to make it post-apocalyptic, which is just nonsense. And, you know, and, and, and since we're talking about robots and, and whatever else, you know, um, and I think that Oliver Stone is still at the top of the heat, but he does more wartime and conspiracy yeah. theory movies. Well, I would say from the mid-'80s to around the time of Natural Born Killers, 94, so almost for a decade, Oliver Stone seemed to be one of the most important filmmakers when it came to seriousness, you know, making a statement on on the times or, or the past Possible. sins of our country, right? Yeah. And... So he, he he was establishing himself as as one of the go to directors for serious shit, right? And then all of a sudden, just started going into fucking crazy town, you know. And and his movies just got worse and worse and worse. I mean, like U Turn, he did U Turn in '97, and <coughs> that movie, it, that movie has some cool elements to it, but overall, it's it's fucking weird and it put a lot of people off. Uh, what else? He did Alexander, which is a horrific piece of shit film. Yeah, that was awful. It was absolutely horrible. I uh, I saw a movie with Colin. You know, Colin Farrell's good in almost everything he does, and he was fucking horrible. Dude, I mean, this is a guy that directed fucking or well, he wrote Midnight Express. Yeah, well, he Billy. wrote Conan and Scarface and You're the Dragon and Eight Million Ways to <laughs> Die. Salvador. This, I yeah. mean, dude, from 1981. Let's call it 81. Yeah. Okay. Or 1980, so... He was a major player. Midnight Express. I mean, how many times... That was nominated for four Academy Awards and won two. Conan the Barbarian won an Academy Award. Uh-huh. Scarface won... Got three nominations, but you're not a big fan of Scarface, but it doesn't matter. Ugh. Year of the Dragon, Eight Million Ways to Die, still, Salvador. It's still a well-put-together movie. I just don't like the fucking movie. Yeah. I, I don't like the characters. It's- he directed Salvador and Platoon in the same year. He directed Wall Street yeah. and Talk Radio, and I fucking hate Talk Radio. And you know why I hate Talk Radio? Why? Because I hate Eric Bogosian's character. Okay. He's a cunt. <laughs> and, and that's a mark of a great actor and a great director. When you hate a movie so much because of the character uh-huh. that the actor is playing. Not just the actor that puts you off, it's the character. No, because, I, I mean, in general, I don't think I like Eric Bogosian anyways. Yeah. I think that he's kind of cunty, but yeah. I I may be wrong about he's like that. A, he's like a poor man's Elliot Gould. Yeah, or a really good Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> but he's so good in talk radio because yeah. he plays a Howard Stern type that it just puts you off. Yeah. And then, like, he's been in other things that I really, really liked. And he, and he made those movies so much better, or yeah. these little stints on TV shows so much better, because uh-huh. the guy is really, really good. And committed, it's, yeah. And it's a shame that you don't see more of him. Uh, Born on the Fourth of July. Did he play the villain, the computer whiz villain in uh, Dark Dark Territory? I think so. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the Doors, JFK, <laughs> Zebrahead, South Central, uh, the Joy Luck Club. Well, he he didn't direct that, but he was he Heaven produced and Earth it. with uh, with uh, uh, Tommy Lee Jones, and yeah, Jessica Lang. All right, so we're up to Nixon now. That's nineteen ninety five. Natural Born Killers, and then he did The People versus Larry Flint. Yeah. Oh well, he he was a he was a producer on it. Yeah. Um, Evita. Yeah, producer. He wrote that. I wrote it. Yeah. Uh, U Turn. Any given Sunday. I kind of like that movie. It's watchable. It's entertaining. And I, I watched it once, and I mean, but I still, 
Uh, World Trade Center, never watched. W. Yeah, see, and then it, look at in the 2000s, he started getting really fucking more political. And I, I've seen Wall Street Money Never Sleeps. Not good. I, I liked it, but I didn't love it. And, you know, now he's he's working on Guantanamo and The Power Broker. Um, Oliver Stone's Untold History of the United States. I don't, who knows what that is all about. That's a, that's um, a documentary series that's on uh, Netflix. Yeah. I, I just, I'm not going to buy into that because it's all, look, it doesn't matter. Oliver Stone, it doesn't matter who it is. If it's you or me or whatever, you're always going to put your own spin on it. Yeah. You're always going to twist it your in the way that you're bent. Well, and the, and the way you see things. So, yeah. I, yeah. And Snowden was awful. So, yeah, basically, let's just say 1999. Because any given Sunday wasn't that bad of a movie. Yeah. It wasn't great. But until 1999, he was fucking relevant. Yeah. You know, and everybody was wondering what he was going to do next. And then... Yeah, blah, blah, blah. It, yeah, it just became uh, nothing. It's just nothingness. Yeah, and um, for the most part, I even forgot where we could just start going with this. Well, uh, directors, man. I, you know, uh, oh, the top of the heap. Yeah, so you have Stone, James Cameron. I forgot to add James Cameron into yeah. that. I'm talking about anybody that came out like, let's just say between '76 and we'll go 1990. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so I guess you can throw Tarantino in there. Yeah, Tarantino. Tarantino got noticed well, when so, he did Reservoir Dogs in '92. So, so you got the trifecta. Of he was already writing. Kevin Smith, Robert Rodriguez, and Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. So let's let's go right before those guys. Okay. So let's go '76 to '86. Okay. So <coughs> 1986. <coughs> That's a fair ten years. <coughs> John Hughes was a big one. Uh, so we had Top Gun. Yeah, so that's Ridley Scott. I mean, um, other Scott, Tony Scott. Tony Scott. You yeah. have Aliens, yeah, which right. is Ridley Scott. Yeah, all right. Well, Aliens was Cameron. I'm sorry, you're right. I'm an alien because yeah. Alien came out in 79. Yeah, David Lynch with Blue Velvet. David Lynch. Oliver Stone. Stone. Uh, Cronenberg. Yep. Uh, that's uh, Hughes, right? Hughes did uh, Bueller, right? Yep. Yeah. John Carpenter. John Carpenter, who had already been around for ten, a decade. Rob Reiner. Actually, more than a decade, yeah. Um, you had Meathead. I don't know who did the mission. Um, I don't know who did Crocodile Dundee. I think Paul Hogan did. He, he might have been. He he direct, I think you're right. I think he directed the third one in Los Angeles, and that's why it wasn't as good. <laughs> um, yeah, pretty pretty in pink. pink was a John Hughes related one. I don't know if Hughes exact um, was all directed or not. We're not going to worry about that one. Yeah, Close Range. That's a good movie. That's an underrated movie. Nine and a half weeks. Short Circuit. Woody Allen. Uh, Woody Dupavat. Labyrinth. Well, here. Um, let's just go. So you have um, John Carpenter, who did uh, Black Moon Rising. Direct, I mean, he didn't direct it, but he was involved with the screenplay. Um, the Adventure. No, uh, Heathcliff the movie. Nope. These are all. Um, I know. I'm looking at. I'm looking at them um, to see what director. Troll. John Carl Buchler. Butchler. Uh, my chauffeur, David Beard. Uh, down and out in Beverly Hills, Paul Mazursky. There's a huge comedy guy right there. Sidney Lumet. Yeah, Young Blood, Peter Markle. Woody Allen. Robert Mandel with FX. That was a huge fucking movie, too. Menahem Golan, Delta Force, the king of the uh, the degraded movies. Um, Quicksilver. Nobody, I mean, how many people know about Thomas Michael Donnelly? 
uh, Terror Vision, Wildcats, Michael Ritchie. Wow. Nine and a Half Weeks was uh, directed by Adrian Lin. The Hitcher, Robert Harmon. Great movie, by the way. Mm-hmm. The original. Pretty in Pink is Howard Dutch, but John Hughes did the screenplay. Oliver Stone again with Salvador. Highlander. John McTiernan uh, with Nomads. He was uh, yeah. starting off. I think he was still new. Ron Howard. Walter Hill. Totally forgot about Walter Hill. How could I forget about Walter Hill? Ron Howard directed Gun Ho. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Ray Patterson directed GoBots, Battle of the Rock Lords. <laughs> um, Hal Needham. Rad. There's your. There's the Rad movie right there. <laughs> uh, Richard Benjamin, David Seltzer, who did, uh, you know, we know Lucas and the Money Pit, respectively. Um, Band of the Hand. Have you ever watched that movie? Paul Michael I, Glazier. I don't even think I've ever heard of it. That was one of my dad's favorite movies. It's yeah. an action movie. If you get a chance to see it, um, Critters. Let's see, Violet's Blue at close range. Murphy's Law. Jay Lee Thompson. No. Eight Million Ways to Die. It was directed by Hal Ashby, but Robert, or Oliver Stone wrote it. Um, Short Circuit. Alan Ald. I'm sorry, John Badham. Alan Alda did Sweet Liberty. There's another one that you don't really hear about. Alan Alda. He did a lot of. He's directed a lot of fucking things. Yeah. Uh, George P. Cosmatos, might as well call it Sylvester Stallone director uh, for Cobra. Poltergeist 2 was done by Brian Gibson. Invaders from Mars. Toby Hooper, who we forgot, who's who's um, more horror than anything else. I had a customer from my uh, work from uh, shuttle driving. He, he recommended seeing uh, McCabe. What is it? Uh, have you ever heard of a movie with, uh, I, th- I don't think it was with Redford or somebody, where it was... Uh, Me- Lone Wolf McQuaid? God damn it. Hold on. It's right. My Little Pony. McCabe and Mrs. Miller. It's a 1971 film. Never heard of it. Jim Henson. Forgot about him. David Zucker. He did, you know, Zucker Abrams and Zucker. Yeah. Zaz. Warren Beatty and Julie Christie. Oh. Set in the Old West. I'm not really a big fan of 70s Old West movies. Anthony Perkins. Prince. Harold Ramis. There's another one. Club Paradise. Um, Cameron Gene Wilder Who did Haunted Honeymoon God, I'm still trying to forget that movie um, Gary Marshall Gary Marshall Anyways um, um, Willard Hayek Yeah Or Hook Spike Lee <laughs> Savage Steve Holland uh, He did uh, One Crazy Summer And Better Off Dead And um, Mark Lester Yeah Armin and Dangerous uh, The Fly Kirk. David Cronenberg Michael Mann There's another one Manhunter and he made that during the time that uh, Miami Vice was uh, pretty hitting pretty big. Yep. Uh, Reiner, Toby Hooper. I already said him. Okay. Uh, Peter Medic. Lynch. Uh, Jim Jarmusch, Down by Law. Uh, Peter Fairman directed Crocodile Dundee. Yeah, like, uh, Paul Hogan, like I said, I think Paul Hogan did the third one. So, Blake Edwards. Yep. And then... Wes Craven. Penny Marshall. Francis Ford Coppola. David Byrne. Martin Scorsese. Steve Miner. Miner. Charles Martin Smith. He directed Trick or Treat. John Frankenheimer. Jonathan Demme. Yep. Uh, Don Bluth. Joe Roth. Or, no, I don't think that's a while. Uh, Peter Weir. Leonard Nimoy. Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> Eastwood. Michael Ritchie. John Landis. Frank Oz. Emilio Estevez. Anyways, so the reason why we bring up all these, and then you, you can see like where the top of the heap goes. Yeah. And then from there, how it kind of filters out and who's still on top. Yeah. And how many people, of all of those people that we talked about, how many people do you still hear about? Gene Wilder's gone. Yeah. I, John Hughes. 
Oh, yeah, he's gone now. He's been gone for like four or five years now, right? And so is Jonathan and Ted Demi. Yeah, both Demis are gone. Uh, Zemeckis, you haven't heard from in ages. Yeah. Um, what the hell is Zemeckis doing? I think he's still involved with mocap shit. Yeah, he had a he had a um, place in L.A. that was doing uh, animation and special effects. That's that's what it was. Sorry, it took so long. I was thinking about it and trying <laughs> to figure out what the fuck he was doing. Uh, he donated five million towards the Robert Zemeckis Center for Digital Arts at USC. That was in '99. Um, well, he's got castaway money, so yeah, he doesn't give a shit. And then he did the Polar Express, and then here it is. Um, that's here. Uh, Walt Disney Studios, Dick Cook, and Zemeckis uh, announced plans for a new performance f- capture film company devoted to CG-created 3D movies, and this was 11 years ago. Their first one was for Beowulf. Um, it's called Image Movers Digital. Um, what else? Oh, he wanted to do Yellow Submarine. Damn, it's been six years since flight already. Uh-huh. Oh, That's he did right. Mars Needs Moms. He did The Walk. He directed that one. So three years ago, <coughs> the one with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt where he... He did Flight. He's got Castaway and Flight movie money. Um, He's got Back to the Fucking Future money, man. That's true. <laughs> That's all he needs. Uh, allied. Fuck, every time that goddamn DeLorean's probably shown on a TV Oh, he may, he, may be in, he may be directing um, The Flash. Ooh, I can see that. Yeah, he was... All over the place from 1941, and yeah, he was in like he was involved with everything in the 90s. Like Spielberg was involved with everything in the 80s. Well, I mean, look, he was involved with Spielberg in 1979, yeah, uh, doing 1941. And then he did Used Cars and Romancing the Stone. And of course, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Death Becomes Her was really funny. God damn it, that was funny. Wasn't bad. Um, Gump. He's got Gump money. Demon Knight. The Frighteners. Contact. I, I I still I don't care what anyone says. I, Contact's a really good movie. It is a good movie. I'm just not into it. Monster House. <laughs> Set the whole movie two and a half goddamn hours and found out Alien was only your father. House of Wax remake. <laughs> Mars Needs Moms. I love Monster House. That is a yearly. That is a traditional movie we watch. Every, and of course, he did Amazing Stories as well. Yeah. Every October, man. <laughs> yeah. Always throw Monster House into the DVD player. Yeah. He's got Monster House money. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, shit. Dan yeah. Harmon's got Monster House money. I wish he had Beowulf money, but Beowulf didn't do as well as it should have, in my opinion. But, you know, most people don't seem to like Beowulf as much as I did. Dan Harmon wrote Monster House. Well, that's why it was so fucking funny. And Rob Schraub, who was... Dan Harmon started off in comics, by the way. Dude, they even had Nick Cannon play a character I liked in it. I don't like Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon's a fucking... I don't know. He's just a waste of, of, of talent. So Dan Harmon and Rob Schraub started <clears> off <throat> writing a stupid comic book called Scud the Disposable Assassin. And the, um, what the hell? Uh, the idea is, so Rob created this character who is a cyanide capsule for a head and a robot body. And his job is to... Ass- you put a quarter into the machine, and you get your fucking scud, right? Yeah. You say, go kill that thing, and it goes and kills it. Well, this one becomes sentient <laughs> after it realizes that it's got a thing on the back that says, warning, this will explode once once the mission is complete, right? Yeah. Basically, that's what it says. And and the fucking robot looks at that and goes, I don't want to die. Yeah. So it becomes sentient, right? So it has to go after the... Uh, 
one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. It's called, and the character, the creature's name is Jeff. And <laughs> instead of killing it, he maims it. Uh, Scud's very first assignment, a piecemeal monster with a plug for a head, mouse traps for hands, a squid strapped to her chest, and a mouth on each knee. All of her lines of dialogue are ripped from pop culture sor- sources. She has demonstrated the ability to assimilate animal parts and mechanical devices for use as weapons. If she dies, Scud will self-destruct. Later in the series, it is revealed that Jeff is the last of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, since Scud accidentally killed off the other three before they could hatch in the first issue of the series. Okay? So he puts her on life support and has to pay, like, a franc to keep her on life support. It was just some sort of weird arbitrary number, but it's so low that it doesn't even matter. So now he has to find a job to pay for her life support. (laughs) It's like 12 francs a year or whatever the fuck it is. And they came up with a whole bunch of stuff. So they have a character named Drywall, who is Scud's bizarre sidekick. And Drywall is this thing with zippers, right? And out of the zippers is hands. And anytime he wants something, he can unzip himself and produce it, right? So there's a scene in the comic in and of itself where it shows the inside of Drywall's body. Yeah. And all it is is these cubicles, these little like boxes, right? Yeah. Just billions of boxes. It's unending boxes. Billions. And each one, it's a filing system. And you, all you see is just hands going into all these boxes yeah. and either placing something in there or taking something out. So when when they say, hey, I need, a, I need a missile launcher, nine times out of ten, he'll pull out the wrong fucking thing and it'll be like a horse, right? <laughs> yeah. So Scud will have to just throw a horse at somebody or a car or, <laughs> you know, a honker thing, you know. Yeah. Like, right? <laughs> and or a once, chicken. Yeah, or once in a great fucking while, it'll pop out with a flamethrower. Right, yeah. you know, inappropriate use of a of a fucking projectile weapon, yeah, and and then things get even worse, and and then you have another character who is a rabbit, and I can't remember the name of the rabbit, um, Oswald, who is also a scud, who is kind of a scud model, and he had his self destruct mode module removed, and he goes insane, like he goes crazy, um, like he he has like um a berserk mode. Uh-huh. It just goes fucking crazy. It's hilarious. Dan Harmon wrote this series, and Rob Schraub um, penciled it and inked it and everything. And then, of course, you know, the, and then they would kind of Dan would walk away from it for a little bit, and, and Rob would have to do his own thing and yada yada yada. Yeah. But it was basically just Dan and Rob doing this whole series. God damn it! It is so irreverent and so funny that I'm surprised it hasn't become. A uh, a series. I'm surprised they they haven't take excuse me taken it to uh, Adult Swim. So, anyways, I have all of these. I don't have the Yellow Horseman, but I have uh, Solid Gold Bomb, and uh, I think I have that one. Hmm. How long ago did you did you write these? Uh, 90s. Shit. All right. 1997. You notice that game. all this shit that we've just gone off into a tangent about is more interesting than Pacific Rim Uprising. Yeah. Yes, yes, I do. Uh, 1994 through 1998, and then 2008, there's 24 total issues. Okay. Like a special 10-year anniversary kind of thing or something, or 10 years later? I, I may have been. Um, the series went on indefinite hiatus with a cliffhanger. Schraub was growing dissatisfied with the direction the story was taking and stepped back from the book. <coughs> and at the same time, as Hollywood career started to take off. So Fireman Press dissolved 
after a falling out between Rob and his and a business partner over rights. So then what? They, they it's now it's like a it's an issue of ownership. No, I'm pretty sure that Rob owns it. All right. So this was in 2007 where you know Schwab announced on his blog his plans to finish Scud in four parts. Uh, the first of the four parts was released as a miniseries by Image with um, um, different guest artists. And then. That's a funny name. Jim Ma Food. Like, don't touch my food. Jim Ma Food. Yeah. <laughs> don't touch my food. <laughs> Stay away from my food. Um, well, I mean, I. It's good. Anyways. But I agree with you. It was. It's more interesting to talk about this stuff than, than really talk well, about yeah, fucking Pacific Rim uprising. Is just yeah. I mean, when you're all said and done, I, I, I know I, I didn't like it as much as you liked it. Hell, I even I didn't regret falling asleep near the end. Most of the time, I regret missing parts of, of a movie if I get too sleepy. But I, I, I was I started falling asleep when they were going towards Mount Fuji, and then the whole falling scene where I think they landed and crashed and exploded or something. I, I don't even fucking remember it. And then the day was saved, kind of, and then they then they did the resurgence, uh, you know, ending, where they said, "Oh, we're going to take the fight to you this time," you know, to the aliens. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> Independence Day. Yeah. So. So yeah, I, I this movie, I'm probably I think I give this movie. Uh, I can't remember what we gave the first one, but I'm pretty sure it was I gave low. It, I gave it like a medium, like a like almost hot, or like a yeah, just above average. I think I gave it like a six out of ten or. Something like that. Um, this one, uh, I think I'm, I'm debating on either a 3.5 or a 4. Really? Yeah. That low? Yeah. Wow. Because it's just nothing special. It didn't. It to me, it didn't improve upon anything from the first for them from the first film. Because all the improvements that the first film needed, this movie didn't do them. It just did something else, kind of, but almost the same thing. So it kind of just made all new mistakes. <laughs> Does that make sense? No, I, you know what? I agree with you. And you've convinced me that by not progressing the story forward any more yeah. and only by um by by taking basically by taking Transformers 5 yeah and um just recreating it into a new story yeah really tells me that they weren't interested in making a a, a movie that was going to um give us any sort of hope that it would have been good. Yeah. They were just trying to make money off of it. Yeah, and then the, and that's probably why Guillermo del Toro walked away. Yeah, and then you take this character who was extremely important from the first film, because you know she, from when she was a little kid, right? Yeah, and then she survives through the first film, and then you kill her as a motivational tool about a third of the way into the film, right? Right. You kill her as a motivational tool for the main character, played by Boyega, so that he goes from being this "I don't want to be here" fucking guy. To, I need to do what my father expected of me and help save the goddamn world. Right. You know, it's like, that's what needed to happen. You didn't need to do that shit in the first place. It, it just, it's, I, I don't know if the words, it's not exposition, it's something else. It's just, it's like just pointless storytelling, you know? And yeah, Boyega, look, I don't fault Boyega because he's fucking, you know, he, he, he brought energy to the character, you know, to the role. So, no, 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 look, in fact, with, <laughs> That's a weird name. That's uh, Justin Roiland's podcast. Ah, um, with everything that's going on in the book, in the book, in the fucking, I'm looking at comic books. With everything that's going on in the movie, 
what what it comes down to is the characters like I didn't care for Eastwood's character at the beginning, yeah. But as as, as he as he moved through the um, the story, he became he became a a, a favorite sort yeah. of. He but, became a good character. But you notice that like you didn't give a shit when any of the robots went down. All the Jaegers went down easily. Yep. Like and there was nothing. There was no, just like in the first film, you didn't give a shit when the, all the other ones got got killed or destroyed. Right. By the kaiju. There there was nothing. There's nothing interesting about it. None of none of the fucking uh, none none of the storyline mattered. You could cut everything out as long as they had that one Jaeger at the end, you know the whatever the delicious fart or whatever it was named, and as long as it fucking turboed in from space yeah. and cut that monster in half, everything about that movie was was nonsense. Yeah, you know, instead of them making an, a Pacific Rim sequel, they should have done what um. That, that you you had it um, a few up. Uh, keep going. It was from MTV, the Liquid Television. Um, it, it was keep going. You're almost there. You're almost there. Keep a little more. It's in the middle, and it's keep going right there, right at the top, all the way to the top. Just scroll up one more time. That one, right in the middle. The max. The max. There we go. Remember how we mentioned before they should do the max. Yeah. Take a risk and do the fucking max, man. Like, you know, don't don't spend too much money on it. Don't, you know, don't fucking eon flux it. Just try to t- turn that into some shit. That yep. would, you know, that'd be some risky stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, Netflix, why don't you make that into a movie? There you go. <laughs> so, was that Scud game really on the Sega Saturn? Yep. Oh shit. Yeah, fucking Saturn. God, that that thing, they, that thing got discontinued before I even made enough money saved up <laughs> to fucking buy it. <laughs> that thing disappeared so goddamn quickly. Nice. Um. And then, and then you know, and then I was already moved on after, by the time the Sega, Dream, Sega Dreamcast came out. I just was done. So I was like, well, Dreamcast isn't going to last either, so fuck it. Yep. Even though I had some amazing shit on there. I had uh, Code Veronica from Resident Evil, which was... It sh- Code Veronica should have been Resident Evil Part 4. It shouldn't have been called just Code Veronica. Because it continues the storyline along, and it, it was really well done. Amazing game. And then... Uh, and then the, some of the Sonic games look really cool on it. So I, yeah, the, uh, the Dreamcast was just ahead of its time, and no one, and no one had faith in Sega anymore for as a platformer. So yeah, you know, it just sucked that that, that came out. It's like almost like like Sega Dreamcast is almost like the Laserdisc player of of video game consoles. You know, it's just ahead of its time, and not enough people. You know, it just was. It just was. It came out at the wrong time. That's pretty much it. So, um, yeah, I, like I said, I stick with my guns. I, this movie is three point five or four. Okay, you know, so yeah, I'll 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 go right there with you. Yeah, and then uh, okay, so next time on the on the show, I think we're gonna do uh, Ready Player One. Ready Player One. So, oh, so let's get our quick uh, quick predictions about that one. Now you know what the uh, after after seeing Tomb Raider, I'm and, not gonna play the fucking trailer. Okay, uh, we'll we'll do the trailer that's, when we do the that's review. Fine. After do after seeing Tomb Raider and and then the week after seeing Pacific Rim, po- both pointless fucking movies, unnecessary. Uh, just the trailer alone, man, and, and Spielberg's name being on this. Hell, even Jump, because Jump's one of those songs from Van Halen that it's a great song for the time period, but it got so overplayed, right? Like smells like Teen Spirit in a way, you know, just overplayed like crazy, but. Doesn't matter when you find the right place to put it, and when they threw it into the trailer for this movie, I was like, "Okay, you're, you're getting me." Finally, someone knew when to play that song. All right. So anyway, 
In a Jenga-style trailer park of the near future, there resides a young boy whose only escape is to enter the simulated world of the Oasis, where his friendships and dreams are validated. When the creator of this massive world-slash-universe created a contest that would end up giving the winner the whole shebang, everybody and their artificial mamas took the chance to get the prize, including Trailer Boy. Problem is that, that an evil corporation wants higher earnings on their quarterly reports, so they have also jumped into the online fray with a countless disposable workforce to get them there first. Pop culture, pop culture references and characters up the wazoo from the 80s and 90s are sprinkled onto every scene, while there's an overall Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory feel to the whole adventure. My prediction is Spielberg, Van Halen's ultimate 80s contemporary rock tune, and you can never go wrong with Chucky as a playable character. I know that the nostalgia train in high gear right now is. Uh, I'm sorry. I know that the nostalgia train is in high gear right now. Yet I find it, I find it a tad less trend, trendy with the master when the master is at the helm, especially since he is due for a fun movie after all of the Oscar baiting serious dramas that he's been doing for a while now. So let's have some throwback <laughs> fun and enjoy Redder Player One since it will not be a piece of shit. Could you read that any more worse? I actually could. I really could. I thought I sounded enthusiastic. It's not. Uh, uh, it's just. <laughs> Ernst Klein has created a pop culture icon with his book Ready Player One. Pop culture. Even though the reviews of the book seem to linger on bad character development, not enough invested in the female characters, and is basically eye candy for the brain with its callbacks to popular video games and characters. I think a lot of the critics are actually missing the point of the book. Ready Player One, the book, is about what could happen to us when we let others dictate to us how our lives should be led, how we as a society are so dependent on technology right now that it's going to really affect us as time moves on and corporations use that to their advantage, keeping us distracted with the what if instead of what's going on and living life. Besides my basic review of the book, the movie looks visually stunning. I can't wait to see the Tomb of Horrors or the Zork playthrough scene and, of course, all the brain candy turned eye candy by Spielberg's expert eye. Expert eye. And this movie will not be a piece of shit. Yep. Yeah, pretty much in agreement. <laughs> that movie's not going to suck, and it did not suck. So we'll talk about that one next time. All right. So, uh, yeah, uh, me and my uh, drollness are done. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, Ready Player One, is, um, it won't be a piece of shit. I'm Joe Spiegel. Mike Sutherland. <laughs> and and we'll, we'll, we'll... We'll see you at the movies. Can, can I say that? Am I allowed to legally say that? Yeah, you can say that. We'll see it. We'll see you at the. We'll see you at the podcast. We'll see you at the movies after we podcast. Yeah, there we go. So there. <laughs> wow. So Klein is working on a sequel to the novel. For a sequel to the film, he stated, I think there's a good chance that if one, if this one does well, Warner Brothers will want to make a sequel, which is obvious. But he doesn't know if uh, Spielberg wants to dive back in because he said that it's the hardest film he's made. Since uh, was it like The third hardest film he's made. Jurassic Park and Saving Brian Ryan, right? Uh, I guess. Yeah, th- yeah, 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 that's what he said. Ernest Klein. I just said Ernst Klein. And Wait a minute. Wrong. No, no, no. no. It was uh, Saving Private Ryan, and it wasn't Jurassic Park. It was the hardest. It was, um, I think it was Jaws. Yeah, Jaws. Yeah, Jaws, Saving Private Ryan, and Ready Player One. Hardest films you ever had to make. Which is funny, because if you notice, that's like every 20 years of his career. Yeah, it seems like that way. At the beginning, in the middle, and then the end. Or, well, to now. Yeah. So, huh. All right. So, 
Till next time. Thanks, folks. See you at the movies. Yeah.